All right, it's Chandra with the Contemporary Horsemanship Podcast, and today's topic is going to be releasing cues before the horse has done anything. So that's a pretty broad topic, um, and it's mostly going to cover negative reinforcement. Um, it's going to be a little bit harder to do that with positive reinforcement because we're, I mean, you can use it a little bit, like obviously there's diff- all the different quadrants are happening, um, but when you're applying a pressure cue, the release is very important and you just really don't have that with a lot of positive, you don't have it with positive reinforcement unless you're doing, you know, like adding um, pressure on the lead rope and then clicking and feeding, that kind of thing. If you're just using like a target or, you know, like a handheld target to follow for leading or you're sending your horse to a target, that would be different because there's no pressure cue. So you definitely can have a harder time um, like getting your horse to do behaviors with positive reinforcement, but it's not necessarily because you've released at the wrong time. So this is mostly going to be about negative reinforcement, um, because you're setting up the situation and the environment a lot more with positive reinforcement, I think, especially if you're using a lot of targets. Like if I want to create forward movement with my horse, I usually have my handheld target or I have cones set up and then I have them go to those things. So then I have that environment set up so I can create the behavior that I want, which in this case would be going forward. So that makes it a little bit different. Like obviously there's gonna be problems and little like things we got to get through and issues with positive reinforcement, but mostly this is gonna be with negative reinforcement. And this is what I see a lot just, you know, in general with lessons and stuff that I do, um, barns I've been at, I've done it, but it's a huge issue. Um, and it, it creates a lot of problems and we really don't realize that we're doing it. So I already know about it and I knew that it was an issue, but I've been reading Alexander Curlin's book, Riding with the Clicker, because I got her a new one and I haven't finished the, the riding one. So I was trying to finish, like I have the first one, the click that teaches, I finished that one. Then I was writing or reading the riding with the clicker and then I'm going to move on to the next one. But anyways, so she does have a really good page on that. Um, it's page 158 if you want to read that book because it's amazing. Um, and she just kind of like outlined it um, really well um, about how releasing a, a pressure cue at the wrong time can be really um, negative for your horse and create a lot of confusion. Um, so I'm kind of going along with her outline, but a lot of the other stuff I'm going to add to it. So if you want to read that resource, it's really good. So um the first thing that I want to talk about is that when you pick up and you ask your horse to do something, you need to follow through with that behavior. I think that is one of the biggest issues that I see, and it can be anything. So rain cues, leg cues, just getting the behavior, lead rope cues, they're all going to be the same. So anything that's a pressure cue. So a few examples would be leading the horse forward, like we talked about last week, where Um, I apply rope pressure on the halter, the horse comes forward, and you don't release that pressure. You don't put slack in the line, and then the horse is never knowing what the correct answer is. Sometimes horses will just be led like that, um, depending on their personality. So, like, they'll lead forward, but they'll probably usually do it pretty slow. Like, you've seen a horse walking pretty slow while the um, person handling the horse is just kind of pulling them along. That I see quite often. Um, but some of the times, if the horse is going to get pulled on regardless, they're going to like, well, I'm just going to stand here if I'm going to get pulled on. There's no benefit from walking forward and leading because there's no release to show the horse what the correct answer is there. Because the application of pressure is creating a little bit of discomfort depending on the level of pressure that you're using in your horse's um, personality and sensitivity. 
to create a behavior change. And then once that change happens or you get close to the direction of the change that you want. So like if you're again leading forward, you your horse kind of starts going forward, hasn't met, moved a foot yet, then you would release if you were trying to shape and train that behavior. Um, then you would release when that horse goes forward and then you can have slack in the line. There's really no need to not have slack in the line when you're leading unless you're trying to change that behavior. So if you're leading and the horse starts going to the right and you take the slack out and have them go to the left, that kind of thing. So the, the release is very important. Both of them work though. Like I've heard the quote, the, what is it? The pressure oh, the release is the part that teaches the horse or something like that, that I don't know, the way I took it was the release is the thing that teaches the horse, but you need both sides of that. You need both ends. You need the pressure and you need the release if you're doing negative reinforcement. So, because without the pressure, you don't create the discomfort or the desire to change what's happening or do something to get rid of that pressure. And without the release, the horse doesn't know what that behavior is to get rid of that discomfort. So you need both ends. It's not just the release and it's not just the pressure. Both are equally important and the application of them are very important. So when to put the pressure on, how much pressure, and then when you let go. So that's kind of a side note, but it is also really important. So you need to make sure that you get an approximation of the behavior that you want before you release your cues. So any pressure cue, so leg, rein, lead rope, whatever, just like I talked about with the lead rope on the ground, anything, steering on the ground, it doesn't matter. So if you're riding your horse and you pick up, you want to go to the right, you pick up the right rein, you take the slack out, the horse continues going straight and you're like, oh, well, I must be doing something wrong or he must be not listening or I don't know what to do. And you let go. The horse is like, okay, well, when she picks up on this rein, I just don't do anything and eventually she'll let go. I see that a lot. <laughs> I'm always like telling people, nope, you get what you, you keep asking until you get the behavior you want or you're close to the behavior you want. And that doesn't mean like be mean to the horse or, you know, dominate them, anything like that. That's not what it means. It just means follow through. So I take the slack out of the rein. I hold, I wait until I get close to the behavior that I want. You just have to follow through. So again, if I'm turning to the right, I pick up, take the slack out, I wait until the horse starts going to the right, then I'll let go. This is why I like, um, in the beginning, especially when I'm starting horses or restarting horses, fixing problems, riding the round pen is a big deal and it's really helpful for lots of different reasons, but steering is going to be a big one and stopping too, is because I can pick up, say I'm going to the, I want to go to the right and I can wait and eventually, because the round pen's pretty small, that round pen's going to help me out and it's going to help that horse find the answer without me having to increase the pressure because that's not really something I want to do and it's honestly not something that's going to help a whole lot either. Um, I don't want to yank on their face and, and make them do it. I want them to figure it out on their own. So I'd be going forward. I'm trying to go to the right, take the slack out and then my horse keeps going forward. Eventually he's going to get to that panel He's going to not be able to go straight. I'm going to have pressure on the right rein and eventually he'll find the answer and he'll turn right and I'll let go. So I'm showing him the answer. This is the correct answer. So that's kind of a side note. Again, there's going to be lots of side notes, but that's a good example of what I mean by follow through. So it's not, oh my gosh, he's not turning. I'm going to bump on his face and pull, just drag him over there. That's not what I want to do. I'm going to hold and wait. I like to do lots of holding and waiting. Or if it's with leg cues, I apply the leg cue and then I wait. Um, especially with, 
And then with leg cues, sometimes I'll do a, like a little bit of bumping. Um, that usually makes horses less angry than if I'm just squeezing the whole time. Um, but that's kind of the same thing. I just kind of like gently bump their sides and wait. Um, and it helps too if you have a ground person to kind of help them if they know a lot of lunging cues or something. Um, I like to send targets and use targets so then you don't have to do that either. But Or you can still teach the like the pressure cue with a target. You can kind of mix and match. But anyways, it's just the follow through that is that important. So right now I'm specifically working with a horse that kind of does all of those things. So he'll be like, he'll want to stop when he wants to stop. He wants to turn when he wants to turn. He wants to just not go forward in general. So it's, it's in, and where, like how he's being ridden is definitely contributing to it because when I go out and, or any trainers go out, you're, you're only working with the horse for a tiny little amount of time. So if he's being ridden this, this way where you're kind of just giving up and not following through and letting the horse kind of do whatever, then that's going to be what's happening most of the time. And then I come and fix it for an hour and then it's good for that. And then it goes back. So, um, that can be frustrating, but anyways, I'm trying to get him to go forward and he is very reluctant to go forward. So we're trying to just kind of bump his sides, just wait, wait, wait. And then when he goes forward, completely stop, no pressure. And then treat on top of that as well. So that's that's a, another example of this in action. Another big thing is releasing your cue just because you've missed the area that you were supposed to be doing whatever behavior in. So if you were supposed to get your horse to stop at a certain area in the arena and he didn't stop and you're just like, oh, oh, well, I'm just going to go back and try again. That's a huge thing. Like if you start picking up on the reins and you ask him to stop and he doesn't stop, you need to, again, (laughs) I'm going to say it a million times, follow through and get that stop or get toward that stop, get a slowdown, start going to the direction of the behavior and then shape it from there. But you can't just go, okay, I'm asking for the stop. Nothing's happening. Oh, well, I'll just go back around and try again. It doesn't matter where those behaviors happen, but they have to happen or have to go toward the direction of happening. Because if we do that even once or even a couple times, the horse is like, okay, well, when you pick up on the reins or you apply pressure with your legs, I can ignore it because you kind of do something for a second and then you let go. So that's, you're desensitizing your horse to your cues, to your rein cues, to your leg cues. And that is the complete opposite of what we want. They're not going to be sensitive at all. And the longer and longer it goes on, the worse it gets. So it doesn't matter where, if you were supposed to stop at C in the dressage arena, it doesn't matter. Get the stop anyways, even if you're after C so that you get that behavior. That's most important. Um, Or like if you miss a turn where you're supposed to turn or stop or do whatever behavior that that doesn't matter um the the training of the behavior matters first and then every time you release without getting a response or the wrong one you're teaching the horse to ignore you so that's kind of what I was talking about earlier um most of the time it's going to be a no response is what I see so if I'm asking a horse to stop and pick up nothing happens and they're like oh it's not working I'm gonna try something else and you let go even if you let go for a second to like maybe gather the reins some more it's still a release so that's a big one that I see as well sometimes you'll end up teaching the horse the wrong thing and then the horse gets confused 
as well. So if you are cueing something and maybe you want the stop, but then your horse will just end up like, instead of stopping, they just kind of walk it like sideways, kind of getting away from something instead of stopping. I see that sometimes. Um, and then you end up releasing for that. They can throw in other behaviors that will make you stop asking. I see that a lot too. Horses are very smart. We don't give them enough credit. They train us all the time. So I see... They kind of like the, like I'll see a sideways, like a walk sideways away instead of a stop. Um, like um, sometimes a threatening behavior. So like a kick out or um, if they kind of toss their head, they might get you to stop, especially if like lunging is happening. Just any behavior that the horse doesn't want to do, especially specifically with lunging, because usually most people lunge for quite a while. It's hard work. The horse doesn't really want to do it. So they'll throw in other behaviors to get you to stop. So I seen a one horse that would rear um, and not want to go forward. Um, one that would crowd you. So they get really close to you. So you'd stop asking to go forward. And I mean, those are dangerous behaviors, but they got to that point because there was no follow through. So, and that is unfortunate because those behaviors do scare a lot of people. And again, I would prefer to fix them with positive reinforcement. I think it's safer for everyone. I could teach my horse, like for example, with the horse that would rear and or crowd you, it would depend on um, what he was doing that day. Sometimes a, a combination. Um, I would set up the around the round pen and I could create that that barrier so we're not in direct contact and keep each other safe. Um, but if we were just, let's just say we just have halter and lead rope, we're going to use some negative reinforcement and I'm asking him to go out. I want to work on him getting out and away from me. So just little things. So just going back to the forward cue. Can I ask for my go forward cue? And can he go forward just a step? And I release. And I can work on just going forward a step and then maybe going out on the circle. And again, I would prefer to have cones and things. So I'm getting him away from me. Um, because the other side of that is a lot of pressure with like a whip or something, which it makes sense because it's it's dangerous for to have the horse that close. They could kick you, run you over. We don't want that. Um, but I also don't love putting a bunch of pressure on the horse, and especially if they're already in your space. But trying to just shape little pieces of, okay, he goes out and he turns away from me and out on the circle. I would work on that quite a bit. Away and out on the circle. Away and out of the circle. Um, to get to make sure that you're getting your horse away and at a safe distance. Um, for the rearing part, that, that one's tough because that scares a lot of people. And it's hard also because when the horse rears, they can usually e very easily pull the rope out of your hand and then they inadvertently get a release for that. And then you that's how you create those big behaviors or you can create those big behaviors. Sometimes they're just based out of fear. And then the other side, it's a horse that's frustrated and they're like, well, I don't understand. If I go forward, there's pressure. If I stand still, there's pressure. So maybe the answer is up and they just don't know which one to do. And then in, they get that inadvertent release and they're like, oh, that's the answer. So I rear and I get a release. So that, that can happen really easily as well. So if that's the case, I would try to keep pressure on as much as you can. So if the horse, you know, the horse is capable of pulling that lead rope out of your hand, then I would work with just going forward, like off of like, um, if you're going to use a lunge whip or something, um, and not hitting them with it, just holding it up and then we would already do the shaping part like I talked about a second ago where I would just ask the horse to kind of take a step out in the circle, then another step, then another, then another, so that they remain successful. 
But if the horse is starting to rear, it's going to be tough to hold on to that pressure and maintain it with the lead rope. So I wouldn't worry about that as much and just kind of hold the stick up so that you're asking for the horse to go out on the circle. So as he's rearing, you can just kind of hold it up. As soon as he goes down, I would wait and see if he'll kind of go away from you a second and then release. So I know those big behaviors are scary, but that's kind of how they happen is because they work. So it's just kind of following through at a low level of intensity of pressure until you go in the correct direction of the behavior that you want. That's the biggest deal. The more often that you release when you are not getting the behavior you want, the longer your horse will resist and ignore you. It's just a bigger and bigger problem as you go. Same thing with like little kids, like um, I see like in the store. So let's say grandma took their kid to um, the store and this kid wants a coloring book and the, the kid's like, I want, I want to get this. I want to get that. And the, and the kid's like kind of whining about it. And the grandma's like, no, you can't have it. No, we're not going to get that. We're just going to get like groceries, whatever. And then as they go through the store, the kid continues to whine, continues to whine. And then eventually after 20 minutes of whining, the, the grandma's like, fine, you can have it. But now what we've done is we've increased duration of the whining. So now instead of oh, can I have this? Can I have this for 30 seconds or five minutes or 10 minutes? Now we have a duration of whining of 20 minutes. So now they're, I mean, maybe not necessarily consciously, but the the child knows if I whine long enough, then eventually they'll give in. So if I whine for 20 or 30 minutes, I'll get what I want. And it, it's, it's basically out of need. They're, they're not looking to do anything bad. They're like, you know, because in a kid's mind, they're just like, I just want a coloring book. <laughs> and, and that's how I get it. So, um, and the horse on the other side is, is like, I just want the pressure released. And this is how I get it. If they have to dial up that behavior really high. So the same thing can happen with horses is the duration of the behavior can go really, really long time because you ignore it for so long, but it's building up that duration before you give in. So we definitely don't want to do that either. Because if I'm holding onto the lead or let's if we go back to our, um, our turning exercise on our saddle, if I'm picking up the, the rein and I'm asking my horse to go right and he's going straight and he's going straight, he's going straight. And so we just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. And if I've gone all the way down the arena and then I'm like, oh, he's not doing it. I give up. That horse has gone all the way down the arena and is like, okay, well, I can go all the way down the arena and eventually she'll give up. And that's a long duration behavior that we've now created. So that's a really important one. you got to follow through. Just hold on and wait. And then eventually you'll get what you want, give a big release. So they understand that that's the correct behavior that you were wanting. You don't want to inadvertently build in duration there. Um, it's going to be harder and harder and harder to get rid of because you have to get over that long duration that you've built. Because now he's not going to pull on you for 10, 5, 10 feet while you ride. He's going to pull on you all the way to the end of the fence. That's, again, why I like retraining in the round pen because it's like I can only do it for you know, however many. I have a 50-foot round pen for so for not too long. But yeah, you don't want to build up that duration um, or intensity either. Like with behaviors like bolting and rearing, stuff like that, um, we don't want that either because then it's just, it can get really dangerous really quickly. So inadvertently, the horse will think that resisting you is the correct answer. And then you're both frustrated. That's where you end up with frustrated behaviors from the horse. So again, the rearing, um, pulling away. Um, getting too close to you are really common ones. Um, usually I see a lot of bucking as like a fearful behavior. 
Um, so I don't really see that as much. This is going to be like a horse that's not afraid. He's just like, this is the right answer. I know it's the right answer. Why aren't you letting go? Why aren't you releasing? So I see those kind of behaviors instead. Or like the resistance to going forward is a very common one as well. And then again, the rider gets really frustrated too. And then you can also end up having extinction bursts and take it out on your horse, which we don't want to do and, you know, makes things worse as well. Or you can also escalate too. So if I'm trying to turn to the right, he's just not turning. Lots of riders will just bump on their face, pull them over, maybe do some kicking, whip them, something like that. And then we have, then we could end up with a scared horse and then we have a whole another set of issues. Also, your aids will mean nothing eventually and you'll give up and let go. They that's that's basically the whole like all the things that I'm talking about wrapped up. Your eventually all your aids, all your pressure aids will mean nothing and the horse will give up and they know eventually you will give up and let go. You don't you don't ha- and the horse doesn't know like oh you don't have to do any of these behaviors, you just kind of wait. Because the horse doesn't know what you want. You didn't have a conversation with the horse in English. That's what um, happens a lot with just in the horse world is like, oh, well, he just doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to do that. Or he's just being spiteful and all this stuff. But it's like, no, you didn't have a conversation with him in English. So all he's going off of is that release of pressure when the pressure was applied and that release of pressure. So if I'm picking up and pulling on the reins and he's not giving me the behavior that I want and I let go, all I've taught him is sometimes I'll pull on the reins and you just ignore it and keep going because I've let go. And I'm like, okay, that's all you're doing. You're desensitizing your horse to your pressure aids, you're wearing out those aids. So it's not that he doesn't want to do it and he's just like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that behavior. Sometimes horses don't want to do those behaviors, but they're going off of the information that you've given them. And if you're releasing when you're not getting the behavior that you want, that's what they think. They're like, oh, well, I just keep doing what I'm doing and eventually you stop. So that's that's a, a big deal is it's not the horse's fault. It's how you're communicating to them. A lot of the time these riders stop asking or release too soon because they think they're messing it up. So they're like, oh, I must be doing something wrong and they drop their reins or they stop asking for whatever behavior. And again, you're just inadvertently releasing. So the same kind of with my um, example of the kid in the store, but essentially that's an extinction burst. So I, I understand what an extinction burst is, but I wanted to put it into terms that made a lot more sense. So I got the actual definition Um, of the extinction burst from Science Direct. So it's a temporary escalation in the frequency, duration, and intensity of a maladaptive target behavior. So like I was talking about earlier, the child who whines more and more and more, or maybe louder and louder until it gets what it wants. Maybe all a combo of those things. So whatever that behavior is that you don't want would be considered the maladaptive behavior. And then it just kind of depends on, you know, what you've taught the child or the horse um, to get to create the duration or the intensity or the frequency of that behavior. So so like for one example with the, the horse when you lunge it tries to rear, might rear once, might rear multiple times if you keep um, if it gets a release from doing that. So it's increased in frequency because every time you ask it to lunge, it gets pressured, but when it rears, it doesn't get a pressure. Um, the horse that you keep asking to stop and it continues going forward through the bridle and you hold on for 50 feet or more and you then eventually let go. Now your horse thinks that it can go all the way down the arena and it's just 
the duration is longer. You've built up duration. The horse will ignore the bridle reins for 50 feet um, and the bridle cues for 50 feet because that's the duration you've built up. And then the intensity of it too, the horse could really rear like in a bigger way, like maybe it's just a little rear and then it turns into a full, full blown one where he's all the way like vertical. Same thing with other behaviors, the horse might kick out, might run forward, just the intensity gets bigger as well. So um, basically um, the behavior just is gonna get worse and more intense, longer, bigger, more frequent behaviors essentially. Um, you need to be consistent during an extinction burst or you can in inadvertently teach the horse to go to the longer behavior or the larger behavior, so for example, the rear to get a release. So just like I said earlier, you have to stay consistent, especially during those bigger behaviors because we don't want to reinforce them. We don't want to see more of them. So this is why it's so important to release those small tries toward that goal behavior. The horse knows what the right answer is, especially if he has been ridden like this for, for years. So the horse in his mind is thinking, okay, well, if I get pulled on all the time and all I do is just keep going. And then if I, you get like a rider who's putting a lot of pressure on, the horse will continue to do what it thinks is right because it has that long training history of it. So a good example would be like horses that go like out on trail rides for like people who don't know how to ride. All the horse knows how to do is you just follow the other horse. So there are people that are on their back that have no idea what they're doing. So they might be kicking the whole time. They might be pulling on the horse the whole time. And that horse's job is just follow the other horse for, for the most part. There might be some other trail places where they actually can ride them. I'm not sure. But essentially, most of the time, that's their job. So <laughs> I would assume that riding those horses outside of that would be pretty difficult because they're just so used to people bouncing around and giving them all these cues and they're supposed to ignore them. Same thing with like lesson kids or lesson horses for kids and for beginners. They're used to ignoring a lot. Not all the time, but for the vast majority of them, they ignore a lot of stuff. So um, that history has just been built up over a really long time. You can definitely fix it, but it's going to be harder. Um, to fix these things, it's just going to be, again, keep asking gently until you get what you want. You don't have to be mean. You just have to follow through. So gentle pressure, being consistent until you get close to the goal behavior. Again, if I want my horse to go forward, I would just kind of squeeze with my legs. If you have like a vocal cue, um, use that. And then I kind of go to like a little light bumping and I just kind of wait. And as soon as that horse barely goes forward, all of that goes away. And then I would start again, squeeze, give their vocal cue, light bumping, let go. And it's going to be little baby steps because you're going to have to redo those behaviors. So it's not going to be, okay, he just goes forward however long you want off of a light cue. That's not how it works. You're going to have to build those behaviors back up. A lot of people think that the horse is just doing whatever it wants, but really it's doing what you've trained it to do through the pressure and release inadvertently without knowing it. So if you know like that, and then that's the other thing is the horse also knows the context of the behaviors. So if I'm leading a horse that I have in lessons, that horse is good for me because he knows that I'm, you know, when I have the rein or the lead rope or whatever, I'm going to follow through and get that behavior. So when this person has the lead rope, you're going to lead and go to the arena. When the other person or a different person has lead rope, he might pull it out of this person's hands and go graze. He might do different things. So 
the context, they understand the context. In When this person does it, I'm to do this behavior. When this person is here, I can do this behavior. So it's not necessarily that the horse is just doing whatever it wants. It's just there's no follow through there. And I let my horses do a lot of different things. Like if my horse wants to go graze over here, we can go graze over there. But it's how it happens, how that behavior manifests. So if I'm leading my horse and he kind of looks over and wants to eat some clover and he maybe just kind of, you know, is looking at it, but he's not dragging me to it, then yeah, we can go and I can let him graze for a little bit and then we can go on and do whatever. Um, But if he just goes and pulls me over there, we're not going to go do that. So I don't want those kind of behaviors. I'm going to wait and hold on my lead rope until I get him to come toward me. And that might require some escalation um, or definitely some persistence, especially with the horse that wants to drag you to grass um, or, or to other locations. That's another thing is like horses will, they'll usually drag you to the barn, to the gate, to other horses, stuff like that, to their pastures. So that is a separate thing which I've talked about on other podcasts, but I'll just go over it really quickly. So a lot of horses are going to go where they feel safe or they feel the safest. So there might be a little bit of fear in there or there's so much pressure. Usually this is what's going to be. There's so much pressure with you and you riding the horse or specifically in the arena that the horse just wants to go to a place or close to a place where it feels safe. So that's where you get a horse dragging you to the gate, dragging you back to the barn. And so um, you're not going to fix the problem. Let's say if I'm in the arena and he drags me to the gate every time, you're not going to fix the problem by like putting a bunch more pressure on him there because he's just going to want to not be there even more. So you have to make it more interesting for the horse, more rewarding for the horse. So obviously I'm going to recommend um, positive reinforcement, adding things to that training schedule that are beneficial to him. So they give him that they motivate him. So food, obviously. Um, And then it's really important on where you release the pressure. So you don't want to put a ton of pressure on certain places in the arena. So like if, especially if you're um, trying to fix this issue, so you're going to want to put pressure, let's say by the gate and then not on the other side. So you're going to make the gate less fun to be less more pressure and then less pressure away from it and that's going to be essentially how you fix that and then it's going to be the same thing for a horse that takes you to the barn there's more pressure there's more work at the barn than there is away from it and that can be uh, a tough one to fix um you have to be very consistent um the release is really important you have to release away from that location you have to apply pressure at that location and it's really hard to override because the horse feels safe there the horse has all these great things that it likes there so it's really hard to fix that way you definitely can but it takes a lot of consistency and time and effort when I feel like it's a lot easier to just add in the positive reinforcement and motivate the horse that way but you can do it um, because you're you're basically going against their nature. There's so many pos- more positive things to going to the gu- to the gate. So you're going toward the barn. You're going toward your friends. You're going to your rest. You're going to your food. It's, it's just it can be fixed, but it takes a long time. So, but that's a separate thing. But that is very common to see is the horse will just drag you to the gate and you're like oh he's just taking me to the gate again and then uh he he's going that way and you just release your reins so again an inadvertent release of the reins so you're just teaching him to drag you wherever he'd like in this case to the gate 
We don't want to necessarily just let him do whatever he wants. I, I let my horses do something that they're interested in as long as I'm not currently asking for something. So if we're just walking nicely and he wants to go, he's like looking at an object, maybe we'll go over there and I'll let him sniff an object or investigate something. That's totally fine. But I don't want him dragging me over to somewhere. So that's, those are two different things. Or if I'm asking him to do something else. So maybe I'm asking him to lunge and he wants to go and go and eat some grass. Like that's not something I'm going to want him to do. So I'm going to just continue to ask for some lunging. And then once I've had some nice lunging, then we can go eat grass or something like that. So as long as I'm not currently asking the horse to do something, then I don't mind like letting them do some stuff as long as it's safe. But it's really important to not just be like, okay, well, let's go this way. Let's go lunch to the right. And he's like, I'm going to go to the left. And you just let him. Because now you're just wearing out your cues. So if I say, oh, let's go to the right. And I've picked up the lead rope in my right hand and I'm going to the right. And I've taken that slack out and he just goes the other way. Or if he backs up or if he just doesn't do anything and I let go. Now he's like, okay, well, I don't have to go that way. Or if I can, I can go the other way and I get a release. So it's very confusing very quickly for all the parties involved. So that's really important. If you're asking for something, you have to follow through. And horses become confused and frustrated, which can then lead to those dangerous behaviors. So um, overall, it's just very frustrating for the horses, for the people. And the horses don't understand because they don't really necessarily know what it is that you want, especially when you're giving those conflicting signals. And then people don't really understand what they're necessarily doing. And so then they don't really know how to fix it. And it can definitely get worse. Um, so that's the other part of that. And like I said before, if you're doing all the majority of the riding and then the trainer comes for an hour and the horse is great for the trainer, but then when you go back to riding it every day, it, you're kind of just in an eternal loop of training because he's going to go right back to that and then be good for the trainer. So um, I see that quite often. So follow through, follow through, follow through. It's very important. So yeah, if you're going to ask for something, follow through until you get even close to the behavior that you want. You don't necessarily have to get that behavior, but you have to be close. And that's really important in the beginning. But as your horse knows what, what to do, you're going to have to want to follow through all the way. So let's say I want my horse to go forward. And in the beginning, I, I'll just go ahead and just release for just a weight shift forward. And then I'll release for a step forward. And then I'll release for I'll release and then he should go forward for multiple steps. But if I continue to just take, oh, he takes three steps and then he stops. Like I, I need to build up the duration of the correct behavior too. So you don't want to get into a, a place where you're only getting little behaviors. You're going to have to ask for more. So if my horse takes three steps forward and then stops, I need to just recue that behavior again. And it's also important that I'm not anticipating that and putting pressure on the walk. That's another thing that I see often. So let's say my horse is going forward. He only wants to take three steps and then he stops. And I know this and I don't understand what I'm doing. So if I get to step number two, I go ahead and put pressure on and I give him my leg cue to go forward. But what I'm doing is I'm putting pressure on the behavior that I want, which is go forward. And I'm... I am releasing at the correct time, but I'm also punishing the go forward at the same time. So it would just be more clear to the horse and less confusing if I would wait until he go has, goes ahead and makes the mistake, it stops, and then I apply the pressure because then I'm 
I'm making the staying still uncomfortable and not the going forward. So it's just more clear to the horse. But that happens pretty frequently as well. So let the horse go ahead and make the mistake, then put apply pressure, and then release when he does the correct behavior. It just makes things easier for everybody to understand. So hopefully that information made sense and helped you out and helped your communication with your horse.